Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. Uh, this is Max Rushton. And this is the H and J League with the best bits of this the afternoon. H and J League. It is. The yeah. H- did I say the H and the J League? It's we're moving it's into the Japan. H&J it's the H and J League. That's right. Um, and uh, well, we have big news at the top of the show. Absolutely. We'll keep our powder dry. Mm. You'll, you'll hear all of that. Uh, Chris Waddle joined us, a man who what needs a no introduction. And uh, we we talked about um, shampoo and indeed non-league football. And a bit of uh, other stuff besides. Uh, we also uh, chatted to Martin Kellner, who was an extra dollop of Martin Kellner this week. Who we, we measure Martin's contributions in dollops, like uh, it was a good like custard on your school it was dinner. An excellent dollop of Kellner, and it was. And he talked about re- uh, great old sports shows returning on TV. And James McNicholas, the uh, author and comedian, performer, Arsenal fan. Chatted to us about his new book about his uh, famous boxing granddad. We had a chat, didn't we? We did, I enjoyed it. Here it all is. Good afternoon, good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Max. Yeah, good afternoon. And we need to kick off this afternoon with breaking news. It's always good to bring you breaking news here on TalkSport. Breaking news on TalkSport. That's it. Beautiful. Now, though, for those of you that aren't on Twitter, you may not be aware of this, but Max, break us, break us some news. Yeah, well, I, I got the chance to do one of those uh, personal <coughs> news klaxons. Uh, klaxons. Mm. Uh, listeners will know that Mrs. Rushton is Australian, mm. uh, hence this. Uh, uh, that lovely version of Waltzing Matilda. Yeah. But yeah, I'm moving to Australia. You are? Um, I'm going to Australia to host the Champions League for Australian television, um, which in a way is good because it's on early in the morning there, and I'm much better in the mornings yeah. than the evenings. <laughs> um, well, I've noticed that, because you, you're not great in the <laughs> afternoons. <three>. To be <laughs> so do you know what's nice about putting it out on Twitter? Mm. Well, one thing was, congratulations, Max, was the seventh highest trend. Was it really? And I was like, this is extraordinary. But that kid who's been sleeping in a tent for five Two years. It's also called Max. So that was nothing to do with me. But oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll ride on his coattails. And Brian Jacks was trending earlier on today. As super <laughs> yeah. you know, Brian Jacks, you and Max. But what is nice is, is you know, people say nice things to you. All you need to do is emigrate, and then mm. people say nice things to you on social media. Because they're going to see the back of you. Exactly. It's like I've died. So it's really nice to see that actually some people uh, like me. What is very yeah. nice is mm. that um, uh, the bosses at TalkSport are very kindly said I can carry on doing Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. So I will still be doing the warm-up with Charlie and still be doing the warm-up with Barry. What time will that be then? That will be 6pm uh, on a Saturday and 8pm on a Sunday. Well, that's, that's fine, fine yeah. isn't it? I'm not going to lie about well, where I am. Well, you're not great in the evenings, well, no, are you? Yeah, I've realised yeah. I said that at the wrong time, <laughs> yeah. just in case the boss was just and see him over there. But no, well, I'm bad in the afternoon and then I really pick up in, around in the six. Evening, yeah. around six, between six and eight, you're on um, fire. So, yes, yeah, so, but I won't be doing this anymore. No. Um, because that is the middle of the night. Yeah, you know? that's, that was always and, pushing. You know, like, I've really enjoyed it. Like, I well, you know, we've enjoyed having you. But you came in at a, a difficult time when Andy's uh, wife was ill and uh, it was much appreciated yeah and you know hopefully uh, and you know Andy we know we'll be back at some point yeah. and Charlie's going to come in and he's great and you'll have uh, <laughs> you'll have more Ollie's competition has gone very route one yeah, with the music yeah, yeah. I'd expect nothing less from TalkSport um, you'll have more competition on the birthday spread yeah because he's very um, good at it Charlie isn't but he? look it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity and my wife has been trying you know she sort of paints pictures of Melbourne on a sort of daily basis so she's been trying to get home and she has sacrificed a lot for my career mm. so it is exactly the right thing to do it's all happened very quickly 
Are you just fading me out now? Is that what happening? I'm trying to, I'm trying to make an earnest point. He is. He's on the verge of emotion and we're getting skippy. Anyway, I'm moving to Australia. You'll yeah. still hear me on a Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. I'm still doing the podcast. Um, I'm, so I'm still around. Mm. And uh, <clears> people <throat> who listen in Australia uh, um, will be able to watch me on TV doing, uh, yeah. doing the Champions League. So, you'll be, so that's my news. You'll be the, the Gary Lineker of, uh, of Australian Champions League. Yeah. Oh, Gary's not doing that now, though, is he? Oh, no, he is. I'm the no, Jake Humphrey. I'd rather be the Gary. No, I'm yeah, no. I'll be whoever they are, whoever you want me to be. Um, but also, because the Champions League sort of runs until December and then, you know, finishes in May, I'll be back in the UK yeah. to do that run through Christmas where I do every show. Yeah. And uh, so for the people the who only really... only prepared to work yeah. at Christmas. The people who who, uh, who don't like me, this is great news. Fascinating to see the text board now. It'll yeah. be mixed, <clears> won't <throat> it? But there we are. Yeah. Culver House and Autobiography Wars will still be on top. And I'd like to think just maybe you would get up early hours of the morning just for old time's sake and play one birthday spread if I'm off to take on Charlie for 100%. us. 100%. Or they could pre-record it or um, something. I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, and I, you wouldn't like that, but... I really, I really will miss the birthday spread. Yeah. It sounds ridiculous. It uh, was in my in my thought when I put two pieces of paper together, going, "What am I going to miss? What's good about here? Should we go? Shouldn't we?" Um, <laughs> Dan, the Fulham fan, says, "Max, you have a career?" Question mark. Thanks yeah. very much. Um, uh, Kev says, "You do realise you're going to have to take Barry with you, as he cannot be left to his own devices." Yeah. So, like, I've offered him the chance. Um, so, listen, that is that's my news. Well, congratulations um, and thanks for good luck. And, and um, so we've enjoyed right? having you with us. Yeah, look, I think this is a brilliant radio... Pro- you know, I've mm. tried to drag it down to my... As you have, not, as you have noticed <laughs> when we do the text topic, have you ever raced a celebrity? Yeah. Um, but, look, I think it's a brilliant radio show, and I... I will. I'll listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's look, okay. I, you know, I'm not expecting live, you to get up three I'll, o'clock I'll in the morning. I'll listen to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you talk about racing celebrities mm. because you've seen a story that, that we're going to get the listeners into. So uh, tell us uh, what it is. Uh, yes, this is in the Daily Star today. Mm. Adrian Edmondson uh, beats Sir Mick Jagger in a race at his daughter's sports day, wow. um, uh, and he's uh, the star carries on. The young one star. I mean, to be fair, Mick would, he probably got about thir- twenty-five years on him. Adrian Edmondson, <laughs> Mick. <laughs> you hope to just give Mick a staggered start yeah. when you give. Jagger. <laughs> I mean, it's basically like ran, ran, uh, sort of racing against your granddad, Adrian, or something, isn't it? I mean, well, it is. But well, he's in good shape, though. He, that, he looks after himself. That was only the heat. Um, who at sports day in the dads and, or mums and dads race are there heats and then yeah. a final but anyway in the final he was up against Daley Thompson he's not going to win there that's a you? bit of an issue Daley held back for a few seconds what a strange school you know mm. that class we've got Daley Thompson Mick Jagger and Adrian Edmondson <laughs> so funny other parents turning up going oh I'm sure that's Daley Thompson. That's Mick Jagger, you know, yeah. sitting on those tiny chairs. I think it's probably the sort of school where you'd expect a smattering of celebrities. Yeah. It's not the local comp, I'm, I'm <laughs> it's guessing. It's un- unlikely. No. Yeah. But anyway, have you ever raced a celebrity? Yeah. I mean, ideally, with, you know, 100 metres, yeah. but look, we'll take you cycling. Could have. Uh, sort of trying to burn them off at the lights or something yeah, like that I or maybe so. you could have been uh, what, I don't know maybe you're on horseback well, the, uh, the chance <laughs> of you beating Mick Jagger on horseback on whatever horseback. it was you ever been a celebrity you ever race horses celebrities on Dale horseback Winton. is my yes. new TV format I've just written that in a margin <laughs> somewhere so I can I'll get take that, that to Australian telly yeah imagine um, that I'd oh, be gutted uh, tonight on the uh, on ABC, it's a, it's a chance of what celebrities on horseback. Max Rushton's new vehicle. That would be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
Paul Hawksby and Matt Rushton here on Talk Sport. Well, when the hairstyling company VO5 decided to pump a bit of money into grassroots football and they turned to uh, Stocksbridge Park Steels, they had two choices. They had Jamie Vardy, not particularly great hair. With respect, There's nothing Jamie, astute about nothing Vardy, is really, there? Or, or another former uh, Stocksbridge player who was known uh, for his, his main, uh, and they are calling it their main sponsorship. Uh, it is the former England Tottenham, Newcastle and Marseille winger, Chris Waddle. Hi, Chris. Good afternoon. Yes, so uh, it's nice. One of your old clubs, yours and Jamie's old clubs, getting a, a little bit of a leg up here from VO5. Yeah, it is. It's uh, obviously grassroots, very important. Um, I like watching uh, non-league football. As I do watch pub football as well on a Sunday. Uh, I started out like Jamie did in that uh, non-league scene and uh, Sunday mornings. So... Um, I've kept an interest in it, and it's not all about throwing money at the top leagues. No. Did you love Sunday mornings as much as you know playing for Marseille or England or Spurs? Did it feel the same? Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, a game of football is a game of football. Um, I love playing, and um, yeah, obviously you miss cr- <laughs> the crowds. Obviously, uh, you get uh, sometimes you get uh, six or seven of your locals um, who are probably still recovering from the night before and they're being a sandwich on the touchline, but. Uh, Compared to what Marseille and obviously Tottenham and Newcastle and teams like that, their support was uh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but no, a game's a game, and um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I always used to look forward to any game. I mean, that's pretty clear in the way you carried on. I mean, uh, after Sheffield Wednesday at sort of 36, you could have called it a day, but you, you kept playing, didn't you? You went off at Bradford and played and Burnley. And and Torquay, our producer, is a Torquay fan, so he remembers those seven games at Plainmore. <laughs> Yeah, um, unfortunately, it's the only team I never scored for. Um, <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I loved it, and uh, I still play a bit now over 45s. Uh, I got into the walking football a bit as well. I do two Tuesday nights. I run hour five aside, any age group. Um, so yeah, I still I still love playing, and um, I, actually, it sounds daft, isn't it? But I retired actually too early. I should have kept playing. I definitely could have played in my 40s, and. Um, I didn't. I wanted to try other things, which I shouldn't have. And I, you know, it's the old cliche people used to say to me: "Don't stop playing. If you've got, if you can carry on playing, keep playing." And um, I used to think, "Yeah, all right." And then when I looked at other things, I thought, "You know what? Best advice." But I didn't take it. Did you? Uh, are you still on the wing, Chris, or are you now just sitting in front of the, you know, sitting in front of the defence, pinging uh, diagonals uh, around? Well, basically the centre circle, in it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I like. Uh, I still play there. I, I do. Occasionally play a sweep at the back in a three. Um, but, yeah, I just like sitting in midfield and um, obviously trying to pass the ball. The yeah. model heat map is, is Yeah, it's the magic robot. Yeah, that will be very big. I might, <laughs> I might take the centre circle away and just put centre spot. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Uh, now, you, want, you once well, you went to Marseille for the princely sum of 4.5 million, mm. uh, which was the third... Highest sum I ever paid so for football. I was so upset about it. I remember the day because I was Not as I was, much as Gary Lineker. Well, was. I know, but I was I was rehearsing. You know, when you're little, yeah. Because Spurs, are, I'm a Cambridge fan, Chris, but Spurs are my big team. Of wins. My dad's a big yeah, Spurs yeah. fan, and I was I was going into the living room and mm. rehearsing Gascoigne to Waddle to Lineker, and I switched the telly on. And he'd yeah. gone to Marseille. It was yeah. devastating. Gary has subsequently said it cost him 15 goals a season. It was a bit of a shock when you went. Yeah, it was. A, to be fair, it was a shock to me. Um, <laughs> One minute I was at Wimbledon watching, well, I didn't get to the tennis, I got into the hospitality tennis as far as I got. Um, <laughs> and then um, I was with Paul Walsh, and um, Walsh's phone rang, he had one of them big brick phones, <laughs> and um, it was basically a message from the club saying I had to get to the club in the morning, uh, and I refused to go because I wanted to know why. Uh, and then eventually I got it out of them, that did sold us to Marseille, so... Um, and I couldn't believe it. You know, it was like, what? You know, I don't, I don't understand this. Um, and obviously, they put a price on my head, which they thought, and I, to be honest, I was surprised Marseille went to that amount. Um, they put a price on my head, which they came back and said, you will pay it. And then Tottenham obviously then had, well, I couldn't get out of it after that. It was basically, see ya. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You know, you can be sold overseas. to have to go and live in another country and play in another country and not, not really have it. Well, you have a say in it, but still, it, it comes it comes out of nowhere like that. Yeah, oh, it was a. Uh, it happened so quick. Um, you know, one minute, as I say, I was I was in my house in uh, Broxbourne, and um, you know, within days, I was on a plane. Um, and I remember when I got there, uh, 
I signed and then I came away and then I went back and then uh, when I went actually to officially sign, I got to the airport and nobody said, oh, when you get to the airport, it'll be mad, this, there'll be thousands there and all this. And I was thinking, what? And they went, oh, yeah, the fanatics. So I got to the airport, go through the passport control, go down the escalator to pick my baggage up, and um, there was nobody there. <laughs> so uh, I said to the guy, I thought you said this would be, he said, oh, they'll be waiting, I would say, when you come out with the baggage thing. So as I come out, there was about 30 journalists, ran it as, uh, putting the mate, obviously, I couldn't understand a word of French. I could speak one to ten and say hello and goodbye, and that was it. And then they're asking these questions. I haven't got a clue. And one of them came through the pack, English uh, speaking, and said, uh, are you looking forward to playing in the velodrome? And uh, I thought, well, yeah, I know it's Marseille's ground. So I went, yes, I'm really excited. I'm looking forward to it. And then he said, what song will you start with? <laughs> and I thought... Has Diamond Lights come out in France? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking, I'm trying to quickly think, what song? So then I went, uh, sorry, I, I don't get, what do you mean what song? He went, you are the lead singer out of Pink Floyd, aren't you? <laughs> and Pink Floyd were playing uh, Velodrome that night. <laughs> so I thought, it wasn't the best confidence boost I've ever had, put it that way. Well, you're a Roger Waters. That's fantastic. <laughs> what, what have you made of the messy deal, uh, Chris? Mm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just been a fairly bizarre week, hasn't it? Yeah, I feel for Barcelona a little bit. He's had him, obviously, Messi's best player uh, I've seen, um, possibly. Uh, we're along the same Maradona, obviously. Um, fantastic, top, top-notch top player. I mean, you're not getting much better than that, if you will ever see any better than that. Um, and the only thing you know, that goes in the back of my mind is they've really looked after him. And the, the things you read in the press and where in the, in the media, you know, he was on 60 million net. He was on this, he was that. They were paying his tax bill, basically, for him. It was running the club into a lot of debt, uh, trying to keep them happy. And I just thought, you know what, if they come up and if he just said to them, look, I'm 32, I've been here all my life, I'm a Barcelona person, thrilled and thrilled. The fans, you know, the respect he's got at that club is enormous. And I just wonder if he'd said, what is the best deal you can give us? Let's be honest here. I know we're skint and problems, but what is the best deal you can give us? For what they've given him over the years, I just thought for to finish his career... As a one-club player, what a brilliant achievement that would have been. Well looked after by the club, by the way, for years and years. I just thought sometimes, can you not throw it back and think, you know what, you've looked after me for 10, 15 years. I'll uh, give us a good deal and I'll say, I'll see me two years here. I just think that would have been a great ending to his career if he finishes in two or three years' time. Yeah. Do, do you feel the same about Harry Kane? You know, Tottenham have looked after him. <laughs> the the <laughs> mm, no. What? Yeah, I'd love to see Harry stay at Tottenham. Uh, it's, it's nice when you see him, but I can understand his frustration, and as most Tottenham fans do get frustrated because they always seem to get there nearly, and you think this is it, and it never happens. And then it sort of it doesn't sort of just fade away slightly, where you think next year it sort of disappears, and you just think, you know, there were Champions League finalists three, four years ago, three years ago against Liverpool, and, and since then it's just gone downhill. Where Teams like Man City will lose, but they'll come again, and Chelsea come again, and Liverpool will come again, Man United come again. And you just think with Tottenham, it's all of a sudden it's gone from nearly winning a Premier League when Leicester won it to being in that top four. All of a sudden it goes to sixth and seventh, and then you start thinking, where's it going from there? Um, and, you know, what started this programme, this interview, where, you know, Tottenham sold me, where I never thought it would happen. Um, but people forget Tottenham are a selling club uh, I really love the club I had a great time there and uh, I always look for the results and everything but people forget you know they find talent and when the price comes they sell them and they find another piece of talent so to sustain a, a serious challenge at the top four is always going to be difficult because their players get sold yeah. And final one for on Newcastle. They've popped up a few times in teams that could get relegated as people start giving their predictions for the season. I don't particularly buy that. I mean, what what do you make of that? And what sort of season do you think they're going to have? Well, obviously unpredictable with Newcastle. Mike Ashley, I guarantee, will get a lot of stick. Um, Steve Bruce, I feel sorry. Pre-season friendlies have been, you know, the fans have been on top of him already. <laughs> He's had good pre-season results. I can't see them going down. I think Steve's done a good job. Um, it's obviously they won't make Ashley out. They want to be back in that top four. They want to be challenging at that top four. And I think until they find somebody who can provide that, which would probably cost them about a billion quid to get to the top four, modern-day football, mm. until they find somebody who's got that type of money, and that's minimum, um, sometimes, you know, 
staying in the Premier League is not a bad thing. No, that's a very good point. Chris, lovely to talk to you. Thank All you, All the best. Thanks for joining yeah, us. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. Take care. There's uh, Chris Waddle there, and he makes a good point, isn't it? You know, the catch-up you have to do. If you're a great club like Newcastle with that brilliant following, that's the sort of money you're going to have to find to, to catch up relatively quickly. And you've got to work through financial fair play. But as we've discovered, of course, in the last couple of days, there are ways around there that. There are. I mean, you were saying before <clears throat> the show, at times, <clears throat> in a Spurs shirt, he oh. was... He was such was ridiculous. a what a player. He's, I remember there was one game we beat Villa really in their pomp, and we beat Villa two one, and it was one of the best individual performances by a Tottenham player I'd ever seen by Chris. I remember another one where Gazza and Mirandina came with Newcastle, and Chris like playing against his old club really rose to the occasion. It was three nil. He was absolutely fantastic. He was just a wonderful, wonderful player to watch. Um, and just a note just from someone called George. Sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, your reporting to club ticket deferrals wasn't right. Norwich have offered deferrals to their season ticket holders. According to the Telegraph, they haven't. But we'll check that out because we yeah. don't want to, you know, say clubs haven't when they have or if they've changed their decision. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's just... I think maybe certain, this, this was obviously printed last night. Some This is fast moving and some clubs may have changed their decisions. But we're, we're working from... A table which said who has offered season ticket holders a deferral. Um, so uh, look, we're happy to be put right because it means that clubs are making changes to their decisions. So uh, yeah, Chris was uh, there with our good friends at VO5. Uh, if you go to at VO5, I shouldn't have to spell that for you on Twitter. All the details are there. If you're a football club, um, a grassroots team looking for a bit of support, a sponsorship package, uh, go and check it out because uh, this could be an opportunity for you. So that's at. VO5. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby, Matt Rushton here on Talk Sport. Tim Vickery joins us from Rio a little bit later on and he'll give us his take on Lionel Messi, what they've been saying over in South America. But uh, boxing fans, I'm sure, will be uh, familiar with the name Terry Downs, a former uh, British world champion. Uh, fought and beat Sugar Ray Robinson uh, at Wembley in the early 60s. Uh, His grandson, James McNicholas, is a uh, comedian, uh, Arsenal podcaster. And so different different skills, I think it's fair to say. And and James was very much aware of that and uh, decided to uh, take on some of the aspects of his his granddad's life. Uh, First in a show called The Boxer, which he did at Edinburgh successfully, and now in in the book of the show, The Champ and the Chump, two men, same family. And uh, James joins us now. Hi, James. Hi guys, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's good. The book is is great fun. It's a it's it's a sort of lovely, very sort of heartwarming story. And as I said, I think um, boxing fans will be uh, aware, even if they don't know that the the details of your granddad's career, they'll certainly know the name because you know he, he was he was the world middleweight champion, wasn't he? That's right. And I think it's probably a bit of an undertold story, Terry's, because he's a fascinating character. He was a real showman as well as a great fighter. Had kind of an incredible life story, came out of Paddington in West London, relatively poor working class background. His sister was injured in a circus accident in America. So he emigrated over there, ended up joining the US Marines, boxing for them, almost wound up in the US Olympic team for the 1956 Melbourne Olympics, but was disqualified on account of, well, being British. And then he came back, turned pro and wound up being the champion of the world. So it was kind of a a fairy tale rags to riches story with this great character, this very charismatic, engaging guy at the heart of it. And a big attraction of doing the show and the book was just making sure people know that story and he gets a bit of recognition. Did you, growing up, because we look at our grandparents growing up and tend to think, oh, there's some old people I just don't want to spend the weekend with. (laughs) Like, did you know about his backstory? Did he talk about it a lot? Do you know what? He was a very, uh, by the time I knew him, he was a very different man. You know, he'd been a kind of celebrity in the 60s and 70s, but I knew a much older man, a guy with a pipe and a stick who lived a much slower pace of life. But, you know, he had his office upstairs and if you went into it and turned the, the key in the lock, you would see all these title belts and trophies and gloves and he did talk about it but for me it was great to go back and research it myself um terry sadly passed away in 2017 and since then i've sort of been on a bit of a journey of discovering more about the man he was when he was younger and the man he was in his career and you know as paul said at the top there exploring the contrast to myself who as a comedian I'm someone who's never really been in a fight in my life in my (laughs) life rather how do I feel about you know inheriting that great legacy of this great sporting champion 
you know, the world, the, the world champion boxer and the world class buffoon, basically. But you know, you you write yourself off as a showbiz showbiz lovey compared with him being a great athlete. But the worlds mm. did collide because Terry acted. He was kind of mates with a lot of celebs, wasn't he? Mm. Used to go to the establishment club. He was mates with Peter Cook and staying out with the Beatles and stuff. So he had he had a foot in the showbiz world. Yeah, he definitely did. I mean, he surpassed me even in my chosen profession. If that's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Terry's been in, he was in five feature films in the end. Oh. I'll be honest, I, he wasn't a great actor. He was no Olivier, but he, yeah. he got there just about on kind of charisma and good looks. But he did move in those circles. And, you know, being a boxer and being a nightclub owner as well in that time, he moved in some, some dodgy circles. He knew the craze. He went to visit Charles Bronson in prison. So there is a lot of colour in this story of kind of the life he led and the different world he inhabited to the one I'm in. And, and of all the things that you sort of tried to take on, I see you do this sort of Marines training. You know, I, I remember doing, <laughs> being sent on that assault course once for TV and <clears throat> being dunked through that, you know, that sort of tunnel of water. It's a really yeah. unpleasant situation. <laughs> you have to carry so much at war as well. I just, just carry less, it'll be easier. Like, what was the most difficult <laughs> thing you found? Or sort of, was it a voyage of self-discovery for you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, so Terry was a US Marine and I did the closest thing that was possible, which was a sort of SAS boot camp in a field in Wales. And I'll be honest, it, it was it did not go well. No. I mean, it worked perfectly for the book because it showed exactly the kind of man I am and exactly the kind of failures that I'm capable of. But you're right, they do get you to do all sorts of odd stuff. And you're like, is this coming up in a battle? Like the tunnel of water. You know, I just feel like, when are you going to be using that? Uh, I think the most embarrassing thing was I was actually late, which is never a good start. And I'd forgotten to eat breakfast. And I had a little packet of malt loaf, saurine malt loaf in my coat pocket. And I was like, that's going to be my breakfast. I'm going to get it at some stage. Anyway, they made us crawl through a field in the, in the mud, right? They just made us crawl on our stomachs from one end to the other, back and forth, about four times. At the end, they said, we've got a problem here, guys. Gather in. Someone has left a sign that we were in this field. Someone has left <laughs> evidence that our enemy could pick up on and will hunt us down. And he just holds up this little thing of Saurine and was like, who is responsible for this? Who eats this rubbish? And me, like at the back, in my glasses, completely fish out water, I had to put my hand up and say, yeah, sorry, guys, that this, was me. I've, I've yeah. dropped my cake. This is, this, is how, this is how they lost the war. Yeah. <laughs> So we won't see you on SAS Celebrity SAS Who Dares Wins, I guess. Oh, I mean, to be fair, like, you know, Max, you said you did it for cameras. At mm. least there's a camera crew there to sort of will you to go on. When there's not a camera crew around, you're like, why am I doing this? Why am I even here? I'm just putting myself through punishment. I could just make it up in the book. Do you know what? Um, Do you know what? We, we, it was like the, the, um, the first bit of this training thing, in, mm. it's in Devon, it's all the Marines, you know, you have to pass it. And the first thing is a water jump. And obviously, I I don't go running in the in war boots and like a big seventy oh. pound backpack. Oh, you're missing out. So I jumped as far as I my body weight needed to jump, hmm. and I was doing it with like six other Marines, and they all sailed over. And I just landed straight over the rest of it. I couldn't get over this six foot war. Honestly, <laughs> it's one of those moments where I was like, I really had a sense of humour. It's one of those where the camera, you know, it's just me swearing and everyone just absolutely <laughs> yeah. wetting themselves. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> and you and you to see if it was in the genes, you did try your hand at boxing, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I did. It was it was interesting. I mean, you know, I've never fought in my life and I kind of had to, you know, just get into the mindset as much as anything. The physical fitness, I knew that was always a losing battle, but to find the aggression, to find that will to win. I actually really enjoyed it, I have to say. And if it's something you've never done and you're thinking of giving it a go, um, I mean, don't get in a ring with a, a bloke straight away. Yeah. <laughs> but by all means, you know, go and have a few sparring sessions or something like that or just start doing the training. Because I, I found that really satisfying and... Um, it helped me connect, I think, to my granddad, you know, even if it did underline uh, the differences between us. I'm never going to be a world champion in it, that's for sure. But as a little recreational activity, yeah, it was good yeah. fun. And a lovely little path at the end when you, you spoke you spoke to your, your nan about it, Terry's wife, and because you feel like, you know, we're, we're very different people, but she draws parallels, doesn't she? She sees, she doesn't think ultimately, you know, she, she can see, uh, which is lovely, a lot of you in him. Yeah, she does. And that speaks to her and her love, really, that she could see anything of him in me, because I think I, I couldn't be the apple couldn't fall further from the tree, really. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, that's an interesting thing at the moment. You know, a lot of people 
haven't seen their grandparents much due to the last 12 months or 18 months we've lived through and I think it's natural to want to feel connected to that generation but the circumstances in which we grew up are so different you know I mean it was such a a different life that that generation lived through and I think um, you know I've always felt that so having her sort of say hey you know maybe you're not that different after all was a lovely moment really Mm. and kind of something that runs through the book is this idea of boxing as kind of the archetypal comeback story you know we think of all those great boxing movies we think of all the great fights it's the comeback that really gets you that really makes you care and I think in our own lives you know and this is what I found in writing the book and I, I talk about this we can all have our own little mini comeback stories our own little redemptions and hopefully that's kind of the touchstone that people will take out of the book I should touch on Arsenal. I, I've I've uh, I've done my table. I've got them eighth this season. I don't know if you can oh, give me same any as match. last year, isn't it? Uh, can yeah. you give me any advances on eighth? They, fi- they finished behind us in the conference plate, didn't they? Oh, which well, was the that's true. Yeah, which was but probably I've, a good I've thing. Stupidly, but Tottenham fifth. You can ignore that. That's fifth. That's hard. Yeah, I know. Don't okay. know. I don't know what happened uh, to me. Um, but, but do you have reasons for optimism? What's your you know what are your yeah. hopes and dreams? Well, I, I think the top four looks very difficult. I mean, when Arsenal didn't qualify for Europe, a lot of fans understandably looked to spin that as a positive, you know, saying, <laughs> well, look, maybe we can use that uh, uncongested fixture list and, and push on. But those top four clubs look very strong. City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. I think Arsenal, the best they can hope for really is to get back into Europe, get a foothold in the top six. I think Leicester and Spurs, as you mentioned, Max, are obviously going to be the, the teams fighting it out for those positions, maybe some others like West Ham. Um, I, I think between sixth and fourth, it would be a pretty decent season for Arsenal. I think that may be as well the best they can hope for, unless something pretty dramatic happens mm. in the last couple of weeks of the window. The year without European football, as Chelsea have found in the past, can make a, a huge difference. So that that, that is a, a big bonus. Mm. But uh, good, we're out of time, James. Good to talk to you. We wish you well with the book. Thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's published by uh, Headline. It's called The Champ and the Chump by James McNicholas and is out now in hardback. Uh, it's a good read. It's a lot of fun. What if I put Tottenham fifth? I don't know what. Well, that's, we could get a, fifth. A good, we could get fifth. Just one decent result and a friendly. Graham Soonis was right the other day. He wouldn't predict his top four in order until the end of the window. And I think you, you can't really predict anything to the end of the window, can you really? Don't yeah, know. Graham Soonis does have that sort of power, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he does. I'm not doing it now. I'll do it in May, says fact, Graham. I love the fact that the Sunday Times asked him, he said, no, I'm not doing it. I'll wait <laughs> to the end of the window. Uh, I'm not going to mis- make myself look daft. Anyway, Martin Kellner will be up to tell us whether... Um, he thinks they should bring superstars back and indeed grandstand. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, if you weren't, I should just say, if you weren't listening to our live show from Nottingham uh, last week, uh, <laughs> yes. that rather random mention of a night out of Hooters in Nottingham may be lost on you, but it involved us a route to uh, the city ground via Hooters that our producer was very keen on, and that's why Max just pulled that out. It is absolutely, it's not necessarily of my nowhere. destination of choice. <laughs> but, but, but frankly, if you don't listen to all the shows all day, yeah. you don't deserve to know all no, the references. Fair enough, keep up. Yeah. Now, Judy James, the body language expert. Oh, yeah, we has... remember her. She used to be on Big Brother mm. a lot, didn't she, Judy James? She's gone through every kit in the Premier League to tell you what the kit tells you about the team. Would you mm. like to pick any team at random from the Premier League or uh, a couple of well, these? Well, I'll go Newcastle United. United. Mm. What does that kit tell us? The black and white stripes. So the shirt, just in case you didn't know, large black and white stripes with black and white side with black side panels and shoulders. Judy says the strong verticals create the most intimidating of the outfits. It's like changing your setting to warrior the moment wow. you put it on. That's warrior with an A, yeah. not warrior with not an a, O. Not a warrior. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a good, lot of people it? worried about Newcastle. Absolutely right. But there we are. It's the most intimidating of all the kits. To another one. Okay. Well, let's go Manchester City. How intimidating is the sky blue of City. Here we go, Manchester City. Let me just find Manchester City. God, this is terrible. Leeds, Isn't it not in alphabetical order? Manchester City. No, Manchester is the big one in the middle because oh, okay. they've got a happy Jack Grealish in there. Uh, blue with repeated graphic detail. Um, not graphic detail like that, of course. Yeah. No colour or cuffs as modelled by new signing Jack Grealish, made by Puma. Cool, calm and collected. This shirt harks back to a last-minute Sergio Aguero goal. That's lucky, <laughs> Good knowledge it? by Judy, wasn't it? Uh, but the up-to-the-minute design suggests forward thinking and strategic planning. There we are. Okay. That's what City are all about. 
Do you want another uh, one? Should we go with... Uh, so let's go with one of the, the new uh, team, the teams that came up. Should we go with Watford for our assistant producer, Jamie? Uh, Watford. Uh, yellow with black fade-out horizontal hoops and V-neck collar. Mm-hmm. Yellow and black makes a bold statement. But the blurring of the line suggests a breakdown of boundaries, hinting at a full squad approach rather than individual prowess. Me neither. Yeah. And uh, where else should we go? Do you, uh, I go mean, Tottenham, do you want... Yeah, go and give go me on Spurs. Then. And what do they say about Tottenham's all-white, plain yeah. white kit? With... Simplest of all the kits, says yeah. Judy. The plain, dazzling white top has a sculpted fit to emphasise this team as athletes. The focus is more on talent than tactical manoeuvring. Yeah. <laughs> OK, well, okay. we'll see. I think That's Nuno good use made... two pages, makes, isn't it? I do like this year's shirt. I like the simplicity of an old white shirt. Burnley. White shirt. Burnley. If they're after a complex approach to the game, then they've nailed it. Quite so sure. Yeah. A blended it's look... job, that... by the way. <laughs> yeah. A blended look that's logical and passive, but also strong and aggressive. Sort of covering all angles there, yeah, I think, yeah, Judy. Uh, yeah, well, well done, Judy. That's mm. great. I mean, we go, go and check out. Is it the star? It is the star pages 24 and 25. If we had time, we'd do them all, but mm. we haven't. Um, so, um, uh, Judy Murray, writing in The Telegraph today, wants to see Grandstand return. We'll explain why in a moment. Adam Peaty, Olympic gold medalist, of course, on more than one occasion, wants superstars back. Brian Jacks has already been in touch this afternoon. He says, I'm up for it. I'm in. Um, but uh, what are the chances? Is it a good idea? We're going to turn to our old friend Martin Kellner, squad number nine, who joins us every Friday. He wrote a fine book called um, Sit Down and Cheer about the history of sport on TV. I think Judy Murray's reasons for this are quite sound. Uh, so we'll pick over the bones of that, look at the likelihood of it happening and whether it's a good idea or not. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Can't we just play it all? You yeah. know everybody. You it's know brilliant. everybody just wants it all. Bit more, please. I think we. There we go. Just a bit more. Here, here it comes. That's Ian Rush putting it in the bottom corner in '86. Yes, isn't it? it is. Yeah, in the camera. We play that for a reason. Uh, Judy Murray, uh, of uh, Andy, uh, has written a column, final whistle column in today's Daily Telegraph, and the headline is: I can't wait three years for my Olympic sport fix. Let's revive Grandstand. And, you know, we often get things that bring back this and bring back that. But our logic was quite sound. There's a number of sports that we've enjoyed over the last few weeks that are now just going to disappear for another uh, four years or three years uh, in these exceptional circumstances. And it does seem a shame that there isn't a home for that kind of thing. It used to be Grandstand. It used to be World of Sport when ITV and the BBC went head-to-head every Saturday afternoon. Um, and I say some of her reasoning, I think, is pretty solid. Here to discuss that is the author of the excellent book, Sit Down and Cheer, the history of sport on TV and a man we turn to every Friday for that uh, very uh, subject, sport on TV. It is Martin Kellner, of course. Hi, Martin. Good afternoon to you, Paul. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. I just we'd, we'd bring you into this. We're going to come on to superstars in a moment, uh, which is something else that uh, they'd like to see revived and has actually been revived. But in this case... Judy says, these kind of sports that we've got to love, there is no home for them. And when I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, as Max was saying, outside broadcasts are very expensive. Uh, Of a Saturday Mm. afternoon, now the BBC show sort of wall-to-wall, homes under the hammer. Um, But, you know, they are, you know, they want a younger audience. The idea that they could be showing you BMX and skateboarding and other sports like that, and they needn't go out. I mean, you know, this stuff's being shot anyway. It just hasn't got a kind of terrestrial home to show it. Um, Mm. So maybe having something like that uh, and just sort of buying up. It hasn't got to be live from. It could be last week from the whatever and you'd see the highlights. But it would be a, a showcase for these sports. And I think people would like to see some live sport on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm absolutely with it. By the way, there's no point in plugging my book. I had all the royalties. They've all gone now. So oh, I don't okay. know <laughs> from, yeah. I, I've so, still got a copy and I very much yeah. enjoyed it. Oh, well, God bless you for. for you could put it that. on eBay and half of it, half the money. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe I, if we all sell our copies and give Martin half the money, it yeah, you, still got skin in the that. game. 
Yeah. It would work. No, she's spot on. Absolutely spot on. I think one of the problems with the BBC is they did try this before, if you remember. They did a grandstand, which Claire Balding presented at the mm. time, bizarrely, um, called... Uh, it was Street Sports. I don't know whether anybody remembers this, but they did try it. It was a complete disaster. Uh, and I reviewed it. You know, if you're talking about BMX and skateboarding and three-person yeah. basketball or whatever. But it doesn't but have think, to be all of that, Mark. I mean, it doesn't have to no. be Claire in a backwards baseball. Cap. It can be, <laughs> it can be uh, taekwondo, which is what Judy was saying today. Yeah. It can be sports that we want. It just be. I mean, remember these do the log rolling on World of Sport and the Calgary yeah. Stampede. These do like mm. you know bucking Broncos. Sorry if you're listening. If you're listening in medium wave, but um, <laughs> but it's. I mean, it was to have that kind of stuff on TV. I think you know you could. It would well, be justified. Absolutely, and I take your point about Holmes under the hammer because because <laughs> I do my. Uh, award-winning hit uh, overnight show on a Friday night. Mm. I'm usually getting up about lunchtime on a Saturday and it's a desert. It really is. Last week there were four of the five top terrestrial channels. Four of them were showing cookery shows. Mm. I, I really don't want to see James Martin frying up sardines on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. That's not interesting. And there is enough. And the great thing about sports is sports, because they want the oxygen of publicity, they want the coverage, which they don't get between Olympics exactly as Judy Murray says there yeah. because they want that coverage they're willing to adapt and when we've already seen the hundred you know the world didn't end when you know when cricket came up with something new mm. uh, and I'm sure there are other sports that um, the point Max makes about you know, outside broadcast live outside broadcast hugely expensive um, the point that he makes you could actually get over that by creating something with the uh, with the sport itself that doesn't involve that amount of expense it doesn't have you know when the event is already there as tradition has it and as it was when grandson started in 1958 they the bbc had the rights to everything in those days so the sport was there and it was a case of the bbc turning up with their cameras and pointing the sport weren't doing anything for the television channel no. and it wasn't a partnership the uh, they'd sell the rights to the grand national and then the bbc would you know give mrs topham her money turn up with their cameras and they'd have to do whatever the sport wanted now it could easily be a partnership so in actual fact, she's uh, she's absolutely right, Judy Murray, and it's not uh, you know it's because if you've not got um, if you've not got satellite television and you've only got a sort of passing interest in sport, um, the BBC has football highlights. They could do more more with that possibly, um, so the the whole thing could kick off with you know with a football high as it used to when Bob Wilson was doing it years ago. Um, so it, it doesn't, and as you said earlier, you know, it doesn't have to be a retro thing. It no. can be BMX highlights and all sorts of stuff yeah. like that. So um, she's come up with an idea that's found its time, I think. So, yeah. so, so I mean, at the moment on Saturday, you've got Bargain Hunt. So the, you've got the news at one. You've got Football Focus, then you've got the news. Yeah. And you're saying, get rid of Bargain Hunt, money for nothing, escape to the country yeah. in the bidding room. And then pick and up then again at final pick score. Pick up at final score. Yeah, it's a build-up to final yeah. score. And you could, you know, Absolutely. like something like the speed climbing we watched the other day, which was fascinating. You could cut from that. You could do a bit of taekwondo. These people are known to us now. After an Olympics, we know these names. <clears throat> we could do some amateur boxing. It doesn't just have to yeah. be street sports. It can be, you know, yeah, mainstream sports. Stuff, yeah. It can be all sorts yeah. of stuff. Uh, superstars, I, uh, Adam Peaty has said. Um, let's bring that back. I mean, they did try and do that. I remember speaking to someone who was involved in bringing it back at one there point. There will be younger listeners who have never seen okay. superstars. Well, I mean, <laughs> they brought it back not that long ago. They brought it back about 10 years ago and tried it. There was the one they tried where they had golf. They did it over in Spain, and they sort of they sort of blocked them all off, and they took all these celebrities over to Spain for sporting celebrities, and I think they all had a good time having spoken to one or two of them on a bit of a jolly to La Manga, <laughs> yes. and then but they did golf, which involved Jeff Winter. Um, he was the referee for the golf, the former uh, Premier League yeah. referee, and uh, you get things like him saying. Dennis Wise, four points. And it was like they did like a golf chipping contest. So it wasn't quite Kevin Keegan falling off his bike. No. But um, if Brian Jackson well, think... told us he's in today, he's, he's willing to do it. But um, mm. what, what about bringing that back? Well, yeah, I think the, the, the thing about bringing these programmes back is you have to do them differently. Mm. You know, you can't just bring, you know, otherwise it's like watching on the buses or something. <laughs> 
and, and I mean, when you when you said, I was just looking at uh, Judy's piece in the uh, Daily Telegraph. When you look at the um, the people lined up, you know, the grandstand people there, mm. it does look like a regimental reunion. <laughs> you know, it is very what uh, my uh, kids call me, you know, pale and male sort of thing. Yeah, oh, it um, would be. I mean, we'll take that as red, really. It, it would be completely different. Um, in, yeah, in terms you'd have of to the do it. The presentation yeah. would have to be. I went to interview Peter Dimmock, who's in this picture. Mm. Um, he had a lovely house in Wells next to the sea. Oh, that and, is a nice part of the Yeah, country. in Norfolk. Very, very nice. Mm. with a swimming pool so um you know he'd uh, enjoyed the spoils of grandson he was a fantastic bbc producer mm. absolutely fantastic um but in the in you know grandstand when it, bizarrely what um julie murray is saying they had those same discussions in 1958 when uh, grandstand started you know what are we going to fill it with but as we know you know that obviously bbc had rights they filled it with all sorts of stuff and it you know it doesn't have it can be a quarter of an hour feature it doesn't have to be you know mixed with a live event i mean they are showing the hundred on beat i'm oh, sorry that's me uh, Judy Murray is a Somebody's found a can couple I, of hundred copies just, to sit down and cheer in a couple. Can I play devil's somewhere. advocate and <laughs> yeah. say whenever well, I remember watching Grandstand, and you know yeah. when you're young, I, I I just I watched any sport and I was obsessed with it. There were times when I was like, I just don't want to watch show jumping. No. Yeah, you know, I just don't need this in my life. But it wouldn't you know? be on for long. It would be. I mean, yeah, you know, know, the attention kids, spans. I mean, you had the attention span then. You could probably watch something for fifteen minutes. But we're told now that anybody under the age of twenty yeah. can't last more than about eight seconds before they get bored. So, so what is it? Just yeah. jump lots one of thing, very quick well, cuts. It's to... like it's like um, flash frames. Right, okay. The whole thing is all subliminal. You don't actually watch any sport. <laughs> just a different sport in a millisecond, and you take yeah. it all in uh, by virtue like, like eating uh, spaceman's food out right, of a okay, tube. Okay, okay, I'm in. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think the point Max is making is, is right. You, you have to change the, uh, you have to change the sport. Oh, sorry, no, you're like Je- it's Jeff yeah. Peters. I'm just take Jeff Peters' job from the birthday spread, <laughs> aren't you? With all these phones <laughs> going. No, you. I mean, the thing is, you change it. I, I take the point you make, Max. You know, when you're watching show jumping from Hickstead, yeah. or even for some people, you know, the second half of a rugby league match in the mud. You, you know, you, you get together with the sports and you make sure it's more appealing, it's more telegenic, so you don't lose. You know, the young Max Rushtons uh, yeah, of, this, of world. this world. Yeah, of this um, world. Now, it has to be of this world. We're going to hear from you. Friday, Martin, before we let you go, Mark's been in touch. He said, I studied Martin Kellner's book, Sit Down and Cheer, A History of Sport on TV, for my journalism dissertation at university. Interesting to hear him live on Talk Sport. You should well, be going in. You should be a boffin, Martin. You should have corduroy patches on your jacket. You can re-release the book with the dissertation on the end. Yeah, what about that? These are million-dollar ideas are coming yes. up with. Because, <laughs> you know... I'm just sitting here answering phone calls and things. <laughs> Wing mirrors on racehorses. So many job it? offers have come in the last five seconds. I'm trying seconds. to get Mike Parry's one away as well. Martin, uh, good to talk to you. We'll Cheers, catch up with you and on you. Friday. And you. Cheers, boys. There we are. If you can find a copy of Sit Down and Cheer in a charity shop or elsewhere or online, like, uh, you know, the world of books and all these places where you can buy used books, it's a good read. Martin's making no money out of it. It's no skin off of his nose whether you do or not. But I recommend it because it's really interesting. So, um, that's it. Um, well, it's not it's here. Not, not an hour. I know the cookies didn't yeah. come. The cookies well, are like, here. So, well, look, as far as I'm hour, concerned, Paul, you let me you? down on the co- <laughs> cookies, mate. You're on your own. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. And Marco, the postie, has uh, been in touch just mm. to let you know there's a horse tonight running at the 8.15 at Foslas called Grandstand. So there we are. Oh, that's, that's meant to be, it's isn't meant it? To that's, be, that's isn't that's it? the sort of mug punter that I am. That I'll, be, I'll be straight on that for one fifty each way. Because it's meant to be. Um, we asked you whether you'd ever raced uh, an, uh, a famous person. This was Mick uh, Aid Edmondson said that he had raced Mick Jagger and then Daley Thompson in at the, the school heats. sports day. He, he, he beat Jagger in the heat and yeah. then in the final. It's quite a high-end sports it, I mean, day, isn't it? It is, isn't it? A sports day where it really is all about the kids and the, and the parents are sort of hand in the face on the kids so they can have heats. heats I mean, it should just be much, a bit of fun it? with a few dads. I mean, they say, what are you in for? I'm doing the 200 butterfly today, <laughs> Mick. Keith Richards was doing the butterfly, yeah, wasn't yeah, he? That would be a sight to behold, wouldn't it? I found myself in Seville where during the World Athletics Championship, says uh, Yeovil Larry, 
Harry, and I met a few of the BBC presenters in a bar. Drink was taken. Late that evening, I challenged Linford Christie to a race back to the hotel. Um, I was very drunk, and I think he was holding back a bit. Sean says, I once competed in an egg and spoon race with Nigel Benn and Judith Chalmers. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> that's, that's over. A, that's, come on, As that's a, part- a Channel 5 <laughs> show, isn't it? That's part of an event sponsored by United Dairies of Argentina outside our local Argentinian steakhouse in Sutton Coalfield. If it's not true... There's so much detail here that I, it's a Chalmers life. took it very she seriously. Did, don't you think Celebrity it. Sports Day? Don't you think that is that a TV show? I mean, really quiz, good. We really do want to see Judith Chalmers and Pele doing the what, egg and spoon sack race. race, egg and spoon. Yeah. What else the is old, there? there was the, the three-legged race. We had throw the beanbag. The one where you got to keep the beanbag on your head. Yeah. <laughs> beanbag on your head is good. Got to do that. Imagine like the, just that, uh, that that call to the agent. That call to the agent. Yes, they've offered. It's it's yes, right. Celebrity. It's it's ten grand. It's uh, it's celebrity <laughs> sports stage channel five, and it's yeah, that's right. Beanbag on head. Uh, three-legged race. It's uh, you and Ainsley Harriet. You and Bobby Davro. Of course. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Yeah. So you could that'd be marvelous, wouldn't it? We can't with so many shows. This is a show, isn't it? Celebrate if, when that appears on Channel Five Talksport listeners. Remember where you heard well, well, it first. Well, that was it. I came up with. I've been trying it. to do big things for ages, yeah. and then National kid, Geographic gave to, it to Richard Hammond. Kids have to watch. Kids mm. have to watch. Uh, but no adults. It's uh, it's going to take off. David Liverpool on the subject of racing celebrities. Our university class were out celebrating our final lecture together in Manchester, and after a few drinks, we bumped into Darren Campbell. <sighs> Two of the rugby boys challenged into a twenty-five meter dash on the. Deansgate locks and uh, decking, it says. And if a sketchy memory serves me right, one of them won. What a great lad in sport Darren was. Well, Darren, didn't Darren, Darren didn't get a gold medal for tw- the 25 metres, did he, really? No, they, think he he's wasn't. only just getting going. He didn't go I mean, on the beer the bang, did well, he? If you look at the way that um, Usain Bolt used to often uh, come out the blocks, you could probably beat him over 25 metres. Yeah. Well, you probably couldn't, no, or nor could no. I, but somebody who could run, no, like an for, athlete could in rugby league. Going for Darren Campbell, he's just having a quiet night out with Mrs Campbell. Yeah. Just walking down the street and someone says, I'll race you. <laughs> Go on then. Get some spikes out of his bag. so boring, oh, must Bought it? some blocks with me. Yeah. He's got a gun to start it. Off we go. Yeah, don't, I'm not, don't, get, don't get involved, Darren. You don't need to be doing no, that. You You've proved to. your You've point won a the long medals. time ago. Yeah. That's it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We go again tomorrow. The birthday spread, the, the penultimate, penultimate yeah. birthday spread for Max. I will miss it. I mean, it was on the, of the things that I'll miss the most. The birthday spread is up there. It was. So I mean, it was never going to be a deal breaker. Family, though, you know, yeah. mom, dad, sister, etc. Yeah. Birthday, birthday spread. Birthday spread yeah. came quite up to this. Anyway, still, still a couple to go before Charlie takes over and really, really test me. Um, but we'll catch up with we'll catch up with you tomorrow from one. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four PM on Talksport. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.